What's going on? This is your boy DJ94 back with another episode of Top Thaddish. Hey man, I owe y'all apology man. I've gone away for a long time. I know, and I've have neglected my power fans of their episodes, which are sitting and waiting. I just need to review uh episode three. Episode four, again, just kind of give you guys some, just recall a couple little things that happened there. So to all my power fans, it's coming. I know I say this is coming. It's just, I need to really crank this stuff out. All right. I just, I've been on vacation, so I haven't really been able to really finish the content that I have sitting. But as soon as I do that, it's going to be cranked out. I just looked at episode six today. My gosh, it's a lot going on there. Things are finally picking up in the season. I'm really happy for it. Now, uh, I have a couple things I want to crank out this week. One, what we'll be doing with this NFL series is we'll be covering all the divisions, AFC and NFC, over the span of eight weeks. Um, You know, obviously eight for for four AFC teams and four NFC teams. So what we'll be doing is we'll be looking at AFC team this week, which will be the AFC North for this episode. And then we'll be looking at an NFC team next week. And then what I'll be doing is I'll be highlighting kind of, you know, where we were last year with them. Um, what, what we're walking into camp with this year, and also my expectations, my general analysis for them. Now, let me put out there that I am a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. I do love the Pittsburgh Steelers, but I will be very objective while I'm talking about them. Just because I love them doesn't mean I won't be objective and, and, and give you guys my two cents about how these guys will be this year. Now, also, also we will also be doing a... NBA East West prediction. I'll be doing the East probably preferably this weekend and I'll be doing a West probably on Sunday evening cuz realistically right now I think my weekends are probably my best bet just cuz I have a lot going on in life. But if you do happen to look up and you see an update that says the new episode from me, just go ahead and look it up because you know, you might get lucky and you might have to worry about the fact that your boy's busy. So when we get back, man, we're going to go right into this NFL talk. I know it's a mouthful to say in this introduction. I'm trying to keep these intros short, but we're going to talk about that NFL, man, because football is back. I'm happy. You're happy. There's finally something on TV. Not to, you know, not to shade baseball, but baseball, they don't really start playing series, so they don't have anything to play for until September. Because that's when you really start seeing, okay... Will we make the playoffs? Will we not wait the playoffs? We need to rest. We not. This is too many games. So we're back. We're glad. You know, football is back. I'm gonna go briefly into some stuff I, I hate about the new football upcoming se- football season. I love about the upcoming football season. Then we're gonna dive into NFC talk. Sit tight. We're gonna we're gonna go with the song of the week, followed by a couple of commercials. We'll be right back in a second. Sit tight. Man, what's good, Talk That Ish family and podcast family? This is your boy, DJ94, better known as David Johnson. Hey, man, just asking y'all for y'all support, man. I greatly appreciate those who have supported me so far on my journey. I'm always trying to get better. But I would greatly ask if you like what I'm doing or if you appreciate everything that you've heard here on this podcast, don't just stop here on the podcast. Please connect with me on my Instagram at underscore, underscore, DJ94, underscore, underscore. It'll be greatly appreciated. I look forward to talking. If you want to DM me, if you want to comment under me, if you don't agree with me, if you hate me, if you can't stand me, if you love me, if you like me, if you think I'm weird, let me know because it's all beneficial to the show and it's all to make the show better. Thanks and enjoy the show. What's going on, Talk That Is family? This is your boy, DJ94, back off the break. I hope y'all like this week's music selection. It's, it's Taste featuring Tiger. He really did his thing on that. Props to him, man. 
We are back with my favorite time of the year, preseason speculation, man. If you are in any group meetings, you at work, man, this is your time where you can talk trash about uh, to other teams, man, because everybody starts zero and zero. Everybody starts uh, with a clean slate. This is a new year. This is that time of the year where football is coming back on our TVs, both college and high school and uh, pros. And today we're going to focus on the NFL, man. We're going to focus on the NFL and particularly we're going to focus on the AFC South. So before I left you on the break, I told you we're going to go into a series. And I just realized in my head, I was like, hmm, Dave, you might not want to be an eight-week series. So I'm probably going to have to do an AFC and an NFC South team uh, per week. So it'll be four versus eight because that'll be the preseason and it'll still be relevant until we get to the regular season for NFL. So I have an obligation to make sure that I, I tackle two episodes a week, one with the AFC, one with the NFC. So we'll go NFC South um, next this week, and we'll also go AFC, <clears throat> excuse me, North today. So AFC North will be our, our focus. Um, we're going to talk a lot about um, just where these teams stacked up and uh, how I feel about everybody going forward. And, you know, what I think these teams can accomplish this year. Um, because it's a lot. These teams can definitely accomplish, be you know, a very good conference um, for football, especially in the coming years. I think the AFC North has the potential to be what the AFC South is in another three years. Once you, you know, once the talent that they've collected over the years becomes of age, they start, you know, developing and they get to their potentials rather than being projects now. That's the thing. That's why they're not as... Um, <clears throat> as formidable as they should be now, but I'm just bear with me. I'm pulling up the AFC North um, record from um, from last season. But while I'm at it, let's talk a little bit about um, how I feel about this upcoming season. I'm gonna make separate videos about these things eventually, but about explaining my two cents, it might be an epic rant because I think that most of these rules will ruin football, um, especially. Now that football has pretty much said they've put their social opinions in the sport, and I hate it because, um, excuse me, their political opinion in the sport, and I kind of hate it. I think that football and political messages should be separated. It's like when you go to work and and you ask somebody who they voted for. It should never be talked about because you're going to run into an issue whether you're Republican, Democrat, Independent, you know, Green Party, whatever. You're never going to really agree with somebody. You're going to offend somebody either way. And I think this is what's going on with this uh, national anthem rule, which the players have stopped the uh, new rule from coming into place, I believe, that states that all parties that do not wish to participate in a national anthem have to stay in the tunnel. Um, but otherwise, they do have to be uh, stand for the national anthem. And uh, the punishments will be decided per the owner, um, Blagé Blagé. Now, when I first heard this, I said, you know, this going to be it's not going to roll over well for the players because essentially you're saying, you know, if they don't do what you say or if, uh, you know, they they don't wish to exercise their First Amendment, then you're going to keep them in the tunnel, which is I mean, it's fine. But then when you put the owners in charge of the punishments, I'm like, yeah, this is where you're going to you're going to piss off some players because let's be honest, there's some owners out there that are very conservative. There's some owners that are out there who get it. There are players, guys. And. You don't want to leave that decision to like a Jerry Jones. You don't want to leave that decision to, um, you know, uh, I think that I think what was it, the Indiana uh, Colts owner or the um, Bills owner who was like, yeah, basically I'll just pay that. Yeah, you just don't want to do that because it's just across the league is going to make some players resentful. It's going to make some players bitter than they already are. 
Um, again, we'll cover that. That'll be a that'll be a radio show for another day or a podcast show for another day. Topic wise, we'll discuss that and get more into depth on my true feelings about it. But that's one that's one issue that's going to come up this year over and re- be a reoccurring reoccurring issue with the NFL going forward. Um, the next one is going to be this new helmet rule that they have in place. I was watching the Baltimore Ravens take on the Chicago Bulls in the Hall of Fame preseason game. And I absolutely hated it because I'm just sitting here like this is going to be more penalties is going to slow the game down because as a defender, you're always, you know, when you're when you're running full speed um, to come in contact with the offensive player, you're not paying attention to, oh, is my head down, is my head up? Like you're just going into it. And I feel like you're taking, you know, you're making offensive teams who don't play defense more successful because now as a defensive player you can rarely do anything if you hit them a certain way it's a flag if you um if you get too rough with the wide receiver it's a flag so there are a lot of issues i think that need to be solved than just um this helmet lead thing i think it's gonna suck i don't think it's gonna last but like two seasons once people start hating it and they defensive players start whining about it at least the right defensive players start writing whining about it you know as an issue i get that the nfl is trying to preserve the game but the thing is it's always been a violent game it hasn't been that the game has been has been unsafe it's been the fact that the pads the helmets everything has evolved to the point where it's lighter it's supposed to be faster but here's the problem it's not safe and that's what's that's uh what's really the issue that they're not addressing it's like your equipment since the 90s early 2000s if you look at concussions if you look at um injuries to the legs the shoulders it's just the pads the paddings are getting lighter helmets are supposed to be cool design but they don't protect so these are a list of issues like i said we can discuss another day on this podcast um the third one they're going to revisit is is basically guaranteed pay and salaries because a lot of players feel like they're not getting paid nearly enough they're looking at the nba i get you know, where I think that the NFL shouldn't get caught up with the NBA is the fact that you have a 56, what, 60-man roster versus, um, you know, a 11, maybe like 15 to like maybe 17 people on the uh, NBA roster. So, of course, guys who are scrubs are going to be getting paid because there's less people. And there's also more money and more market in the NBA right now because there's so much more drama and it's more of a, a league that can be dominated by a player or two or 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 a team in this case with Golden State um, that will make headlines. In this case, in football, you can you can't really have super teams because then there there's you know injuries. There's more unpredictability that can happen um, in a NFL game because you can. I mean, in an NBA, you can lose games and still get to the playoffs. In the NFL, if you lose games, it affects your chance of getting to the playoffs. And also may it also may have, it might also may eliminate you ultimately from going. Uh, further in the playoffs so that's it balances out in that sense but like i said that'll be a story for another day i think these are the top three issues that definitely will you will hear throughout the season and definitely will be an issue reoccurringly for the next two years honestly i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you this i think the nfl has 20 to 25 years to get their shit together before ultimately the league is canceled because there's a lot of people who speculated about you know these owners being uh, having the players best interest and you know, a lot of players who are retiring earlier because they don't trust the uh, integrity of the owners to take care of its players. Blaje, Blaje, winning comes with a cost. So 
these are the issues I think that the NFL is going to face, and I definitely think like if it doesn't get solved within the next 20, 25 years, we're going to see the end of the NFL, and definitely because people are going to get tired, people are going to, you know, something else is going to come up and really swoop our attention away. And NBA is actually capitalizing by moving the season up closer in October, and they're stealing viewers from the uh, NFL. Like, NFL, NFL viewers right now are just really like, okay, I'm just going to watch till October, and then I'm going to switch over to NBA. Because it's more exciting and there's more drama and there's more headlines that we can go to. All right. So, boom. Let's get into the NFC. Um, uh, excuse me. The AFC North today, which we're talking about, um, which features the Steelers, the Ravens, the Bengals, and the Browns. So, this this, this, this whole division was pretty interesting last year. So, obviously, if you uh, didn't keep up, the Pittsburgh Steelers were the overall second seed behind New England at 13-3. and three. The Ravens came in second in the division at nine and seven. The Bengals were seven and nine, and the Browns laid the egg um, last year, posting an zero and sixteen record um, this year. So let me get into my 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 two cents and I think where where these teams are going to stand, and then I'm going to break down each team one by one, and then we'll go from there. Um, so you got the Steelers, who were the 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 winner last year. Like I said, this is my team, but here's the problem with the Steelers, man. There's a lot of pressure on them to win this year. And and in my opinion, I think a lot of people can agree with me on this. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers have to win the Super Bowl or at least go to the Super Bowl this year or it's a bust. Um, And I think that, you know, Mike Tomlin needs to be on the hot seat for next year because you got problems with Le'Veon Bell. You didn't pay Le'Veon Bell's money. So ultimately, he didn't come to camp. He's. There's been speculation he's looking elsewhere. He's looking for to get his payday somewhere else. And I agree with this decision, but then I don't agree with this season. From a business standpoint, I agree with the decision because if you look at Le'Veon Bell's commitment to team, uh, to being a team player that they can count on, he hasn't been that guy that's worth $80 million to $90 million as a running back. Now, I get it from a player's perspective. Who am I to say, oh, what he's what he's able to get? Because the running back position is the most gruesome and the most physical position you can play. You're getting hit. You have to block. You have a shorter window to be at your peak because you're taking such a wear and tear on your body compared to other positions. So I get where Le'Veon Bell is coming from uh, when he says, man, you know, I, I just want my payday. I look at Antonio Brown. I look at Roethlisberger. I want their money. But here's the problem, kid. You're not dependable. And now that you're holding out and you're acting like this, you're actually ruining your stock because who wants to pick up a brat? I mean, as gifted as he is, a brat that's going to hold out every time he doesn't get his way. And you look at him, he's been injured in the playoffs many times when the Steelers have tried to uh, advance. That's been the reason why they've gone home in some years. And also, he's just been, he couldn't stay off the weed. He could not stay off any offside trouble. I mean, they just team just got rid of Martavis Bryant for similar situations and also complaining being a team distraction. But ultimately, it's, who is Le'Veon to really dictate and say, oh, I deserve this when for the four years that he's been there and been in the last three years, he's, you know, been under the franchise tag. He has, you know, been either injured or he's been uh, in trouble outside of the Pittsburgh Steelers camp. So this is a lot of issues that the, that the Steelers are facing right now. You have Antonio Brown, who's lobbying to get uh, Martavis Bryant signed, which I think that would be pretty good for them because I think Martavis Bryant still has 
two great years left in his tank to be a to be a not maps elite of what he was like elite player of what he was but at least a guy where if your top receiver is covered or your secondary receiver is covered he can be a sure hand receiver um and that third uh option that can get you that 10 15 yard burst that you need and i think the steelers would benefit uh, from his help it'll be insurance for if um washington from oregon state doesn't pan out um, the way they want to. The, this was a kid that was drafted in the second or third run, I believe, for the Steelers. Um, he's coming in. I have high hopes for him. I hope he pans out and he can be what um, close to what uh, Martavis Bryant was because ultimately Martavis Bryant walked after we said, you know, we don't want to deal with that shit anymore. We're going to go ahead and ship him to Oakland. So we'll 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 leave let Joe Gruden deal with that. So ultimately, I I don't know, you know. There's a lot more drama with the Pittsburgh Steelers than football being played. And I'm not used to that as a fan because I'm just like, Pittsburgh has always been about discipline, defense, and, you know, doing, gutting out these games with the run, uh, physical wide receivers. And they, I mean, it's more of a, they, they play more of a finesse spread offense style. Um, and they've never really had the defense. Um, now, these guys went 13-3 last year, but they ultimately, I will say, they were exposed against the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, for what we already knew. They don't have a defense, and ultimately, the, with um, uh, losing one of their key components last year, um, with the, you know their linebacker going down, it, it definitely didn't help them and assuring that um, you know, they would bring that energy. I felt like the Pittsburgh Steelers last year were coming together and that they could, you know, at least be a decent middle of the road defensive team, which I mean, when you're trying to go for a Super Bowl, if you're like a little above 15, you're in good shape. You're, you have the, the, the recipe to win a Super Bowl with a great offense and a middle of the road, you know, above average defense. So I thought I thought that was a good that would be a good situation for the Pittsburgh Steelers, especially because of the fact that these guys were young and they also did some makeovers. But here's the problem: Joe Hayden went down, um, you know, earlier in the year, and ultimately that's going to cost them a lot in what they were able to do on the defensive side of the ball. I think ultimately that's what cost them um, against a team like the Jacksonville Jaguars last year because Blake Borders was able to pat. He looked like freaking Tom Brady against the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I'm sitting here like, it's Blake freaking Bortles. This guy was struggling against the the the. Uh, the Bills last year, and you know, this will be last game for the uh, wild card. And I'm sitting here like, now he looks like an unstoppable force that actually looks good. And he actually got checked back down to reality against New England. I think that he played his best ball with New England. I think that his ceiling is about as high as he played against New England. But like I said, that's the story for another day. Looking at this team this year, there's a lot of drama. Like I said, this is a team that has to win the Super Bowl or go to the Super Bowl or is a bust. And I think that Mike. Tomlin needs to be on the hot seat because you can only continue to knock on the door for so many years or come so close before you say, okay, we need a different voice. We need something new. We need to do something drastic. You fired a, quite a few coaches. You fired your offensive coordinator who's now with the Cleveland uh, Browns and uh, you let go of your offensive linemen and your special teams uh, coaches. So you have a couple new assistants this year for the Pittsburgh Steelers. You have the former offensive lineman coach for the Alabama Crimson Tide coaching uh, right now for the Pittsburgh Steelers, which they need it and, and, and they need that to happen because the DL, the D line was not able to get against, get up, get off against the elite teams, up, uh, any pressure um, against 
you know, the average teams, the below average teams, they were able to be a highlight, but their number one sack pressure uh, statistic last year was very overrated, and they got exposed when they could not get to Blake Bortles or stuff the run of Leonard Fournette, who ran up and down the field on these guys last year. Um, so, yeah, that's, my, that's why I think about the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think these guys, you know, the key number in the AFC North is going to be 11-5. and five. It's going to take 11-5 and five to win that division. I think that the Pittsburgh Steelers will do it because Le'Veon Bell is trying to play um, play an audition for another team. Um, <clears throat> you still have Antonio Brown, who is injured at the moment, but they said he will be back before the regular season. So not to worry, Pittsburgh Steelers hopefuls, he will be okay. Um, you also have Juju Smith-Schuster, and this guy – this guy made, you know, made the Pittsburgh Steelers confident to get rid of Martavius Bryant for his off the field antics and his demands during the season to be more part of the offense when he wasn't really as big of an impact until Antonio Brown went down. And then, you know, you look at his whole entire body of work. He missed a year. He's complaining. And he was a distraction numerous times during the season until Mike Tomlin had to sit him down a game and say, look, we're not doing that. That's not how we do things. And ultimately, you got rid of him. He wasn't here anymore as a Pittsburgh Steelers. He's going to Oakland. So I think Juju Smith-Schuster will be a great second option. But I, I do have to ask, though, I think that you need a third option if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers to be in a Super Bowl contending uh, situation. You can't be the – I think and – and to me, I think Pittsburgh Steelers have one of the top five wide receiver cores in the NFL association, bar none. But here's the problem. They can't seem to get it right against the, either the low-quality teams they barely beat or these elite teams like the New England Patriots or um, Jacksonville Jaguars. Guys, they, they run too many finesse plays to try to move the ball, but they're not really, when it comes to between the lines, between just give me the first down, they can't dumb it down to the point. Just, hey, run a route and catch it. That's not them anymore. So I think the development of Washington or them securing a, a short you know, veteran minimum contract with a um, Marte, excuse me, um, Bryant, um, for who's now a free agent right now, uh, will do them some good. Um, some Dez Bryant uh, action could do them some good in that wide receiver core and everything else. Now, on the other side of the ball is going to be, uh, it's going to be quite interesting for the Pittsburgh Steelers because I think that they did a, a total makeover of their secondary due, due to the, the deplorable job they did in the AFC. Uh, um, divisional game against uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. They got an advance last year, but they were still they weren't they didn't have much depth outside of Ryan Shazier and uh, Joe Hayden. You still had guys that are still pups to the games. Their D line was inconsistent. They would get to the, they would have a great game here and there, but they weren't a sure thing to get a sack always. So then, when you can't get to the quarterback, you gotta be able to defend in the secondary. And they couldn't defend worth a piece of crap. Like you could pass all over the Pittsburgh Steelers. They were just outscoring people. They were barely beating a Ravens team last year who was who couldn't get out of their own way last year at nine and seven. And I think they could have made the playoffs last year, in my opinion. And that's not saying much in the in, after about the uh, fifth or sixth slots. I mean, the Bills got in for crying out loud. And the Bills, they were decent but very young. And I still thought they were a year removed from making the playoffs. Um, so I think that the Steelers have, have are the favorites coming into the season just because of their body of work and also who they have returning. And I think their their secondary should be a lot better considering they have a new coach at that at the secondary position. 
um, as well as some talent that can match up. And if they develop a lot of ifs, if they develop, um, they could be really good. There's a huge question mark with the Pittsburgh. So I will say this. Either they will be 11 and five or they will be fighting in the wild card behind the uh, Baltimore Ravens uh, for that division. Because it's going to come down to can these guys focus on football and not all the outside crap that they have to deal with Um off the field and also behind closed doors with the egos they have because they do have some egos they, i mean you have Le'Veon bells not coming until week one which i mean i understand but then it's, it's like if you want a contract with somebody big it's not going to help your stock but i'm not Le'Veon bells so that's his decision and also it's going to be interesting to see how the development of the defense and you know with ryan shades you're gone if they'll even miss a step where they'll be worse than they were last year because of the fact they have younger players at these positions who aren't as experienced and also there's they have guys coming in from other teams they sign um they have to learn the pittsburgh Steelers defense way so i'm hoping that their secondary becomes at least decent enough to contend against the elite the elite teams i'm not worried about them against the um below average teams and also the average teams but they things have got to be a lot better for the pittsburgh steelers this year on the defensive side of the ball if they wish to go to a super bowl and like I said, it's Super Bowl or bust for these guys. They have to go or win a Super Bowl um, to justify uh, a lot of the moves, a lot of the decisions that the uh, that the uh, excuse me the uh, Rooney family has made, and also Mike Tomlin's ability to get it done. He has not got it done since Bill Cowher handed him that team um, in the early in the late two thousand. 2008, 2007, 2008, six, some of those two. Um, that was Bill Cowher's team. So we are we have yet to see a Mike Tomlin based team go to the Super Bowl where we could say, okay, Mike Tomlin's team won it. Not Bill Cowher's old team won Mike Tomlin a Super Bowl because that's been a narrative that's been written on Mike Tomlin's Super Bowl. So like I said, either Pittsburgh will be eleven and five or they'll be ten and six fighting in the wild card. Um, a lot of their schedule, their tougher games are at home, so that's why I'm giving them eleven and five. I think they have wins against uh, Carolina. I think they split with the Ravens. I think they have a chance. They're on the bubble to split with the uh, with the Browns surprisingly, and the reason why is because yeah, though we don't know what the Browns will be in there, they're, they've been you know scum scum bucket terrible in the past. Um, they, they open up with the with the Browns, and you know you never know when a team that gains all these weapons and all this confidence and a new um, vision will come out and get you in week one. And that's who the Pittsburgh Steelers have to face in week one. It's just like, eh, I don't know, man. I just, I just have a bad feeling about it or something could go really wrong in that situation um, if they're not careful in that week one. Because uh, I like Baker Mayfield. And I definitely like the offseason moves they have made to make that roster a lot better than what it has been. Um, so I have 11 and 5, 10 and 6 being their fall off point if they do take a step back this year. Um, next thing we're going to talk about is the uh, Baltimore Ravens. Now, the Baltimore Ravens, um, they're a pretty interesting team, man. John Harbaugh was on the hot seat last year and managed to win these guys seven games and at least be respectable enough to keep for another year, but he's still on the hot seat. He has to do something because Joe Flacco is absolute garbage, and I'm just sitting here like, Dude, what happened between the time that you went to those playoffs games and you were killing it and you won a Super Bowl to where you are now? They gave him all that money and it's like Joe Flacco disappeared. It's like Jim Flacco is bottom tier along with Eli Manning, uh, you know, a lot of the uh, um, awful quarterbacks that used to be great um, are at the bottom of that list. Sam Bradford, uh, I mean, the list goes on. Um, Jay Cutler, he's in those names right now. And thinking about the fact that 
Joe Flacco's won two Super Bowls with the uh, Baltimore Ravens. Uh, it's kind of exposed. It's kind of telling me that the defense had more to do with it than Joe Flacco did. And now that the defense is not what it is in the Ravens anymore, um, it's definitely exposing Joe Flacco for the quarterback that he is. He's maybe at best an above average quarterback that can have some moments where you're just like, oh, wow, he's one of the best in the NFL. And he can also have the what the fuck moments. Why are you throwing that pass? There, what 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 guy were you looking at? Why are you throwing this pass into double coverage? Joe Flacco. So I just don't know. And ultimately, the, you know, the Ravens don't know either as an organization because obviously they, they made some pretty interesting offseason move by drafting and moving up in the draft actually in the first round to take Lamar Jackson at the last pick of the first round and signing Robert Griffin III as a potential backup or starter for the uh, Ravens. Now, let me tell you something about these two guys at quarterback, which is the big story with the Ravens right now. If Joe Flacco literally has four games, if they go one and three or two and two, Joe Flacco, you will see Joe Flacco sitting for the remainder of his career. You cannot be a two-time defending Super Bowl champion and fall off the map three years. Or was it two or three years or something? He's been awful statistically. Like, he has had a passer rating before of 18. Passer ratings of 18 is terrible. It's not good. So the fact that that's his passer rating and that's, you know, the position he's sitting in, I think it's going to bode well for guys like Lamar Jackson and RG3. Now, to the discussion of whether this guy should be uh, starting eventually Lamar Jackson, I'm going to say no. I think he's raw. I think he's very, very good. Um, when I looked at the game versus Chicago, um, I wasn't really too stoked about him. I was like, the guy still has some mechanical issues he needs to handle. Um, the guy has feet, but he doesn't know when to slide yet. And he's going to end up like RG3 did, <laughs> ha, 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 uh, if he doesn't get on the ground and doesn't know how to protect himself. Because RG3 was the same type of quarterback as Lamar Jackson. Great, great running speed, pretty decent arm. And one injury changed this guy's career. Um RG3 had a very, very good showing in that Chicago uh, Chicago Bears game. And I think he should be your second option. I think that RG3 should be a mentor for Lamar Jackson. And then I see Lamar Jackson moving to second or maybe starting next year. I think that if he starts this year, it's because of the hype from the crowd and the, and the heat they'll get to start him from the media. But I don't think that Lamar Jackson is ready for that starting role quite yet. I think he's pretty green right now with a lot of potential, obviously. But... You know, I don't think you go to that potential until maybe perhaps the last segment of the season segment being maybe the last four or six. If you're out of uh, if you're out of contention or you're borderline about to be in the wild card bid to uh, go to a playoff game. So I think that's the only time that you activate a guy like Lamar Jackson. I think RG3 should get to start before and everything else. Now they did make a pickup with the um, with the tight uh, with the tight end position. I do like what they did there. Um, that's been a question mark uh, for them um, always, and I've always been an advocate and said that they are they they really do need a tight end to give to Joe Flacco, whoever will be the quarterback for the season. Um, also with the uh, with the. With the uh, in, in the game that I looked at, Brashar Perman, he needs to be cut ASAP. 
you can't drop balls in the NFL. I mean, it's it's one thing to miss. It's one thing to, you know, you just have back, good coverage on you and just can't get. But this guy dropped two passes and had one that was so bad, it bounced off his hands and it went for interception. He's got to go. I think you need to if you're if you're John Harbaugh, you're on you're still on the hot seat. You need to you need to make the playoffs this year. You haven't made it in about four years now, and he direly and desperately needs to get this Ravens team back to um, competing again in the NFC. Excuse me, in the AFC North. So I see these guys contending with the Pittsburgh Steelers this year. Um, as far as at the end of the year, because I think they're going to win one of the games against the Steelers. <clears throat> and they're going to suffer. Joe Flacco's going to find a way to lose them one of those games. Um, but <clears throat> I just think that they're, they're a team that could go 11-5 potentially, or they can be 10-6, and six, or um, they can be as low as 8-8. Eight and eight. And if that happens, then you can say, you can kiss Joe Flacco's career goodbye, and you can also kiss John Harbaugh's coaching days goodbye because the Baltimore Ravens are at our are very powerful and classy organization when it comes to winning and they've also always been about that in Baltimore so it's gonna be interesting to see what happens there I think they go 10 and 6 this year um maybe a game apart from the Steelers um and I also have them perhaps they can possibly win that division but they'll definitely be jockeying um for placement I think 10 and 6 definitely gets them a wild card bid because the AFC as a whole has four teams um but then you have some decent borderline decent teams um that are really good like houston um you know they're borderline good with uh deshaun watson but i think they're still a year away i think they'll be better but you gotta play the jacksonville jaguars and and a improving improving um <clears throat> an improving tennessee titan team and an improving Colts team that made some big adjustments in their offseason as well. So it's going to be interesting what they do. And ultimately, I think that 10 and 6 will be enough to sneak them in if they do well in the off the season, off the uh, AFC division, and they win some out-of-conference games as well for the, uh, for the Ravens. So they got to win at home and protect their home, uh, their home stadium this year in order to be successful. I expect them to go maybe like 6 and 2 at home and um, maybe 4 and 4 on the road or something crazy like that. Um, and that'll be their six, their 10 and six record, or, you know, maybe one of those games will swing their way. But like I said, the magic number for the AFC North is 11 and five. And ultimately I think that's what it's going to pan down to, uh, between the Ravens and the Steelers, because they have, they made some, the most desperate moves, um, in the off season. And I think that they're going to be the rivalry of those two teams are going to be renewed. Um, and that division is definitely more interesting when the Ravens and the Steelers are very good. All right, next team we're going to talk about is the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, they were 7-9 last year and just an absolute abomination. Um, that's just the, that's just the Bengals, though, man. They've, they've really been making the playoffs, getting sat down in the first round. Barely making the playoffs, getting sat down in the first round. They always get beat by the Pittsburgh Steelers in the first round. Um, I thought they should have fired their coach. They didn't. I'm scratching my head as to why they did not, but that was their decision. Um, they had the, the first place that I was, I think they needed to work on that. I'm glad they did was they need to work on, do something about their offensive line because um, when you have a quarterback rushing as much as their quarterback did, Andy Dalton did last year, 
Um, Andy Dalton was running with the head ch- uh, with his head cut off, trying to divert and couldn't really get to his weapons. And to me, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie about this. You know, Cincinnati has one of the most talented wide receiver cores on paper um, with anybody in the division. And when Andy Dalton gets time to get after those guys, he can they can have one of the most exciting offenses in the NFC. Excuse me, in the AFC to watch, and also in the NFL even to watch. Uh, when you think about uh, these guys and their full potentials, um, it's really upsetting that, like I said, they didn't take a direction by firing firing the coach. But hey, he's back, and they do need to adjust uh, to the wide receiver, to their um, <clears throat> offensive line. I'm gonna read y'all quickly a uh, story that came from their camp recently about five observations after a Bengals mock game at um, Paul Brown Brown Stadium. So they had a mock scrimmage game recently uh, ahead of their preseason matchups next uh, this upcoming week. And basically, this is what it said. Um, the Cincinnati Bengals have some work to do coming out of the training camp mock game Saturday. Just don't call it a, a scrimmage per head coach Marvin Lewis himself. There, the event in Paul Brown Stadium itself revealed the, the Bengals have some serious work to do on the offensive line of the ball. This, primary, this primarily starts with first-round center Billy Price. Billy Price struggles have uh, taken uh, center stage. Price's snap struggles throughout camp so far weren't a big secret, though the hope was he would have have it cleaned up by Saturday. Instead, he had at least four snap issues with various quarterbacks. Offensive coordinator Bill Lazor didn't hold back when talking to the media about it. We're disappointed we have balls on the ground on the, on the quarterback center exchange. My son Nolan is in eighth grade and they start practicing working on it because everyone needs to do it. And obviously we haven't worked on it enough, so we'll get that fixed. I think that the Bengals are gonna have, still have some issues at the offensive line because you have this young guy who's clearly not as polished as he needs to be, and he's gonna need at least half the season, maybe six to eight uh, games of the season as a rookie to straighten that out. Anytime that you get a guy, um, anybody on the offensive line, you normally wanna go with safe guys that are well-polished. So if they aren't as good, they're at least manageable to put out on the field. When you can't put a guy out on the field because uh, the fact that you don't know whether he'll be able to get your quarterback the ball and that's going to cause turnover issues. That's a problem for the Bengals camp. So they definitely have some issues to solve there. Um, but here's the thing. The thing about the Bengals is they can either be they can either repeat as nine and seven, which I think potentially what will happen because ultimately the, the Bengals have made some quiet moves. They've been quiet this offseason. You don't know what, what the Bengals, man. They can be a 9-7 team, or they can go 13-3 and three next year. I don't know. Either one could happen. It just depends what the Bengals are looking like and what how they will show up next year. And it would definitely be interesting to see how Marvin Lewis bounces back from the deplorable year they had last year, uh, being a laughing stock in their division um, outside the Browns, and ultimately um, being the team that they were. Now, my prediction is that this team goes 8-8 eight and eight next year. I think they'll be mediocre just because Andy Dalton's starting to be on the decline. He's not the same quarterback, I think, as he was two years ago. And his confidence from being bounced out in the first round against the Pittsburgh Steelers and other teams is really starting to show. And also the fact that I don't see this team beating any of the, any of the uh, NFC South teams because the AFC's term, AFC North team terms that play – the uh, <clears throat> NFC South and Cincinnati has a, a lot of teams that are horrible matches for them. Atlanta being one of them. 
uh, Carolina being another, and <clears throat> New Orleans being another one. So that's three games. Do I see them beating or uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers twice? Borderline, maybe. And if everything, this is maybe. And if things go their way one time, maybe. But I do see a Pittsburgh sweep having, happening in that series. And I see them splitting with the Ravens this year. Perhaps they might get lucky at home. But that's going to be a two for nail game. So that's two losses from the division. And then we don't know what the Cleveland Browns could be. I mean, people joke on this team a lot, but I feel like they're going to be pretty decent this year. So they could come up and shock the Cincinnati Bengals and maybe win one of those games. So that's three losses right there. And I'm not even getting into the, what their se- the rest of their season may look like. So we have three, six games possibly that could, could really be L's for these, this Cincinnati squad. And I just don't have any confidence that they'll be able to really bounce back and be a sure luck team for the rest of the season versus some quality opponents. So I have these guys going eight and eight. Um, Like I said, they'll be either eight and eight or they'll be really, really good. I don't know. It's Cincinnati, but I think they're going to be sitting third in the division, barely squeaking by the uh, Cleveland Browns, who they will be jockeying with for, for third or fourth position in that division. Next team I want to go to is the Cleveland Browns, and this is the last team out of that division. Last year, that team laid an egg of 0-16. They were the worst team in the NFL uh, association, Um, and that was for a reason. Uh, Their quarterback position was the issue. Um, If you pay attention to the Cleveland Browns, um, they're a very good team. Um, and the reason why I'll say this is because they have they have guys in the defensive ball that were all pro last year. They have guys that could really get after it. They have guys that you can really depend on. I think they're going to be really, really good on the defensive side of the ball. So defense is not their issue, actually. When you don't have a quarterback, you don't have a system, when you don't have confidence, you don't have players, when you have your uh, top wide receiver in Josh Gordon that st- can't stay off the weed, can't stay off the drugs, can't stay off the alcohol, can't stay off of trouble can't stay off of rehab can't stay off of any of the above that's an issue we we lose a top talent like that and you're having to replace it with some substantial talents that aren't uh nearly what josh gordon can be for that franchise now i think josh gordon owes it to this team to be the josh gordon of 2013 and more because you've wasted this franchise three uh for you wasted this franchise time for three to four years and now it's time for you to pay up by being the guys you're supposed to be for this team and being uh, back in that all-pro position as a wide receiver. This is a guy that that had over 1,000-plus yards worth of receiving yards in his first year when the Browns went 7-9, nine, nine, I think, or 9-7, and seven, one of the two. And that's really not good. Um, I think now that you get him back, you got to keep him out of trouble, <clears throat> and he has to be on the field. If, if this kid's on the field with Baker Mayfield as their starting quarterback, which I think he should win out that job, um, over um, the you know the two quarterbacks they had last year, um, then I think this team will be successful because you brought in a couple offensive pieces that are really going to help. And obviously, they had a pretty decent line for the most part. It's just the fact when you don't have a quarterback that's, that can get the ball off <laughs> after four seconds, five seconds, you're going to have sacks. And it made, their, it made their team look worse than what it really was. I thought there were a couple games that should have went their way. They could have went like three, three, I don't know, like three and 12, like three and 14 or excuse me, three and 13 or something like that or <clears throat> four and 12 they just had some really bad luck and it just it's just by language wise they were just ready to go 0 and 16 um now this year i have this team being either six and ten or seven and nine 
Reason being is because I think they're going to shock one of the, their divisional foes by winning, splitting, splitting a game. Preferably, I think they might shock the Pittsburgh Steelers because they play them week one and they have the newest identity out of anybody in that division when it comes to players and personnel. Um, I think they might uh, shock the Cincinnati Bengals. So that's two games from the division I have them winning. I think the um, Baltimore Ravens will sweep them just because they have a better personnel matchup-wise. They don't match up well with the uh, with the Ravens. But I do think that they have a chance to be a little bit of a problem in the division to the Cincinnati Bengals for sure. And also the Pittsburgh Steelers who have to play them week one. <clears throat> And that's usually a hard game when you don't know what to expect from a team who's made a lot of changes. Um, I do think that they can make some noise outside of the conference as well in some of their uh, upcoming games. I do think that they can be a relatively respectable team who is on the rise. And I think that's about two years away from being in contention for not only a playoff spot, but also a a uh, bid to win the division in the near future once teams like the Pittsburgh Steelers start losing players like Ben Roethlisberger and Le'Veon Bell and they're in more of a rebuilding stage in those positions and also teams like uh, the Baltimore Ravens who I think will improve but um, you, you you only put it on the shoulders of a guy like Le'Veon, uh, excuse me, Lamar Jackson, who could possibly be a one to two year project. I think it's going to take him probably two years to get to what he's supposed to be. I think you're going to see flashes of greatness from Lamar Jackson this year when he gets his start. But I think you got to play RG three in that second slot, and Lamar Jackson has to learn, sit and learn from a guy like RG three before RG three either gets injured or gets sat down for. Lamar Jackson, depending on how Joe Flacco plays in the four first four games. So that's my prediction for this division. I have, again, to reiterate, I have the Browns going six and ten. Um, There's some reasons I have stated. I have um, <clears throat> the Bengals going eight and eight. I have the Ravens going ten and six, and I have the Pittsburgh Steelers going eleven and five this year. Like I said, eleven and five is is the target um, is the target record. That's going to be the record that gets. Um, one of these teams into a playoff bid. Um, I do think that this record will be second or third and overall in their in the AFC division um, because I think that right now the AFC West looks pretty interesting with the Kansas City going with Mahomes and also improving with bringing back the cast they had last year off of injuries. And the Denver Broncos making an interesting move um, to sign Case Keenum as their quarterback. So it's going to be pretty interesting. I think the Bing, uh, the uh, Kansas City Chiefs have a chance to uh, really make an impact and be maybe a second-place team. And I, and you also, you can't count the New England Patriots out. I know we all hate the New England Patriots, but we'll see what they do this year. A lot of moves have been made. I think that <clears throat> as, as much as we do not like um, – their coach and their quarterback situation up there. They definitely know how to win. They definitely know how to get it done. So that's going to do it for this week's uh, football talk. This has been your boy, DJ94, signing off once more. And we'll be back later this week, like I told you, to cover the NFC South. Ooh, one of the toughest divisions in football. Stay tuned for that. Power fans, be patient with your boy. I will promise, I promise, I promise, I promise, I will get all that content out and more so that you guys can make sure to make sure that you guys have everything that you guys need. And also keep up with the East versus West this week for NBA Talk. This has been your boy, DJ94. See y'all next time. Stay tuned for the song of the week.